to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. This season, we're digging into 1975, and this week, we are banging our coconuts together to talk about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Before I introduce this week's panelists, know this. The show also be a game in which points are awarded for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts about the film, jokes, and anything else I feel like awarding. The winner will be my best friend for a week and also have gloating rights. The gloater of last week, I believe, if I'm looking at my notes correctly, is Ryan. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Boo. Uh, and thanks for inviting one booer boo. in here. Yeah, we don't want a crowd of booers. Sorry, I'm a ghost. E- every show should have at least one ghost. Boo. Today's ghost is Greg. Boo. Wait, you can only be a ghost if you died. Did I murder you with all my awesome points last week? Yeah, you whooped my ass so bad that I died, wow. and now I've come back as a booberry to boo you. Boo. That what is you- the sassiest I've ever heard Greg on air or in real life. Is, yeah, you murdered with me how great you were last <laughs> week. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I've got no time for your shenanigans, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, Greg has practiced to be on like an Andy Cohen show later tonight, so that's how he's going to act today. Oh, I love that. Good for you, Greg. One of us got to make it out of this fucking trash heap. Does that mean I'll be acting really sassy? Or? Very sassy. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think Andy has one bar to pass, and it's sass. <laughs> God, the sass bar is supposed to be so hard, that test. Uh, we were all... I don't know if nervous is the right word to talk about this movie, uh, before we dig into Holy Grail as a film, I would like to know how it impacted each and every one of you in your real life. Greg? I'd say my first point of contact with it was just as filtered through like the pop culture medium, you know, like uh, people's references to it. Um, and um, like, you know, there are some who call me Tim, you know, like lots of references to it. And then I finally saw it, and I was like, you know what? I like this. This is good. This is funny. It's funnier than the annoying people make it seem. Almost and then, always. And then I watched... I, I have seen it a few times, uh, but I hadn't seen it for a few years, and I was excited to see it this time. And then watching it this time, I was just... I was underwhelmed. This is like... I was like, did I... I think I want to like this movie. I think I very badly want to like this movie, and I don't actually think that I really do that much based on uh to show a little leg reveal behind the curtain the board makes all of our taste bud questions out of uh they record everything we do and then amalgamate questions based on our general conversations with with loved ones and our own personal thoughts they can read our minds and i love this lore what the board (laughs) showed us i saw the screen the printout of greg's thoughts i was like oh greg fucking hates this movie (laughs) i just it feels like it wastes a lot of time it feels like it like there are funny there are very funny parts to it but i there are some parts of it that are so aggressively unfunny that it i even if that's the point it's unfunny like i'll give you an example the 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 castle anthrax mm-hmm. where the castle and the people in it have funny names names that words that are not normally names dingo zoot yeah zoot and I just was like... Midget and crapper, guys. Yeah. Midget and crapper. and crapper. Yeah. And um, I think I just... I have watched like 10 of the best movies I've ever seen just in the last like two weeks because of this show. And I was just like, this feels 
like so much of it is miss and the hits are great but so much of it feels like a miss yeah based on like, watching old monty python and then old snl are you ever like oh man if i could time travel i would just be the best comedian in the 1970s i think what i think with this movie and with snl we remember the hits mm-hmm. and honestly enjoying the movie is later you talk about it and you do the bits back and forth but honestly even that it like i don't know if even that holds up like even the, the the wanting to do bits back and forth, I just, I maybe I'm tired of it. Maybe I just like maybe I've just had too much too much time with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Ryan, what is your life experience with this film? Well, let me just defend Greg a little bit because we just like our as of this recording, our Jaws episode just came out, and we're about to push out our Nashville episode. So I mean, come on, yeah, right? like. There's this. And also, Greg ha- is and has always been a broken lizard guy. Uh-huh. Monty Python yeah. pales in comparison to that, you know? Well, give That's me that su- slamming salmon. The super trooper guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm he, a he big, just... big super trooper guy. Uh, the people who quote movies as their relationship with their friends. You know, and like, we're on a podcast talking about movies. So I understand the weirdness of saying It's this, not but... hypocritical. Keep going. I'm defending you before you even make the argument. It feels like it, but my God, like, you guys have ruined, like, Anchorman is going to be this different movie. Caddyshack, what, the first time I saw Caddyshack, I was like, oh, sucks. this is just a fucking terrible movie. Yeah, uh, It doesn't help that the dumbest, worst people are the ones who quote Caddyshack the most. Austin Powers, Borat, these are all movies that are ruined by these people. And we're going to get into show it. for me. It yeah, was Chappelle all the other sure. middle schoolers, because I didn't have cable. Uh, all the other middle schools, when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, did you guys know they tell jokes in the Chappelle show? Not like the dumb shit you scream in my face. The Bible is a big one for me. Yeah, the Bible, yeah. yeah. One of the best skit shows. But uh, Chappelle show is unwatchable, and it's because of these people. That being said, uh, I didn't have a lot of flying circus knowledge. Um, I waited a really long time to watch this movie because of mm-hmm. the people who would quote it. Uh, I remember the first time I watched it, I thought it was pretty good. Uh you have to do a lot of like mental math of like, are, are you counting laughs? Is it batting average? Yeah. Like, uh, what are you looking for here? If something is like kind of a good point and it's delivered in in the form of a joke, but the, the joke's not funny, but the point is pretty good, like the speech about political oppression early on, dude, really trenchant criticism. But like, is there a joke here? Like, right. besides, what if poor people like? said smart stuff like it's almost like we're watching king kong from the 30s but instead of like rejudging special effects we're like we're doing this thing that has also been copied to death and that sucks for it but also sort of ruined by it's i call this uh what you're saying i'm not saying i agree with you yet but i'm i call this ramon's theory where i'm like i get why you're great a bunch of bands that i love i think did your thing better so thank you for existing i do not yeah yeah yeah, like uh, we stand in the shadow of Monty Python, right? Monty Python was very right. big too. Although I have to say, I more and more suspect that Monty Python's not actually that important to anybody who's really funny. That Monty Python is more like people who like jokes, but like don't the always Big Bang Theory of the seventies. Don't always get that jokes. Is fucking, Jesus you're start Christ, a fight, Mike Greg. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't think that I Mike said. said. Mike. <laughs> I'm translating for you, but it did make me think a lot about what the three of us and we didn't grow up together the entire time but what is the three of our like it it, doesn't it it does seem like it but like <laughs> at, at no point was monty python you know and for me yeah, it right. was uh there were so many things ahead of it uh 
Kids in the Hall, Conan O'Brien, yeah. The Simpsons, uh, Happy Endings. There's all these things that like we connected to that were not Monty Python, that Batman the Animated Series, that all of these other, like we didn't connect with the Monty Python people. And that makes Holy Grail not a bad watch, because I'm going to tell you, Mike, I actually finally came to terms with the fact that I do love this movie, but oh, a weird good. watch, a very different watch. It, it's weird. So if I may reveal uh, mine... Now, I think I've seen this movie more than any other movie in the history of film. Wow. Uh, older more than sis- The Girl Next Door? More than The Girl Next Door. The You just have happy endings on the brain. What's her Always. What's that, his name? Uh, producer Dave, my sister's friends, they were older, and Dave, producer Dave uh, was included in them, brought over a VHS recorded from Comedy Central copy of this. And so <laughs> I know- Complete with com- commercials? Commercials in between. I think this was Penn- uh, the Penn era of Comedy Central going up next on Comedy Central. Hell yeah. Uh, included some of producers Dave's recorded porn on the VHS after the movie, which I thought was just part of the credits, and I was surprised when the movie ended this time. It was not. Uh, I watched it every day in fifth and sixth grade. I would come home from school and put it on because they left it there, and I would just watch it. For a kid with no cable and no friends, this was my world. Uh, and so I guess I get why the, the people who could break it, I didn't have those people break it for me because they were the people I thought were cool who introduced it to me. And yeah. then I would just do it alone in the mirror. Uh, and then I made one friend and he owned all the flying circus on DVD or on what VHS then and got into the Spanish inquisition. Think about a time in your life where you thought producer Dave was cool. It's, it's a <laughs> wild time, man. It's a wild time. Uh, but at least he gave me this. And I was so worried because I have not seen this since I was 15, probably. And I get what you're saying, Greg. But I still, I think more of it holds up than starting from just the credits. I think it's funny and goofy. And I think the mile a minute, 30 Rocky and style of like, they don't all have to land. We just have to keep motoring. Makes it a watchable, fun time. And I, I think it's Rocky horror where like the more people in the room, the more fun it'll be. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I mean, this time that I watched it was the least I've ever enjoyed it. Like, I, I thought it was going to be really good. And then I just put it on and I just like, and I didn't, I wasn't quite sure what to do because I thought, you know, I've liked this movie more in the past. And so should I go on the show and act like I liked it more than I did? But this is just how I honestly felt about it. I spent the almost the entire time being like, okay, that's... No, that is funny. Like I do, I do see what you're doing there, and not really. I honestly liked the vibe of it a lot more than like any of the jokes. I kind of thought they captured how weird Arthurian legend really yes. is, and maybe we'll get into that. I don't even know. Maybe but, we'll uh, get into it. And 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 <laughs> watching because this is Terry, and I know Terry Jones co-directed, but this is a- after definitely seeing and studying more of Terry Gilliam's movies. You're like, oh, this is you figuring out what you like visually. Oh, I don't know if there's ever been a more popular in the history of cinema uh, director practice yeah. than yeah. what we had to watch. <laughs> oh, this is your film school film. All right. We are going to continue on this path of not being sure how we feel about the film <laughs> right after this break. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. 
That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye! Monty Python and the Holy Grail was the group's second film. A follow-up to the comedy group's first foray, the sketch compilation, and now for something completely different, which was, in fact, something completely they had been doing for years. They just refilmed a bunch of the sketches from their show. Holy Grail was funded by rock stars, filmed on a shoestring budget in wet and muddy Scotland, and held together by a pair of newbie directors in Terry's, Jones, and Gillian, who had to work around a string of obstacles from broken cameras, the egos of their players, and an alcoholic player that, playing the film's most stoic character. Holy Grail would go on to become one of the most quoted and most beloved comedy films of all time. Taste Buds, I ask you this. What is it about the Arthurian legend that makes it perfect for the Pythons to choose as their background story? I'm going <laughs> to... Automatically, let's get this out of the way. Um, it is barely a movie in the terms that we typically talk about these movies. Um, and we're going to do that again, uh, I think, next week, Mike, with The Mirror, which is just mm. very uh, different than this. But like A lot of sketches. Yeah, like a lot of sketches. A lot of comedic sketches, yeah. a lot of Tarkovsky sketches. Pratt Falls. But the, I think there is one understanding. Um, we should have like a... We, uh, we got to go get a thing, right? Isn't that the basis of all movies? MacGuffin, yeah, and that's sort of yeah. what makes it perfect. And it's a it's it's picaresque, right? There, the Arthurian legend is a lot like um like like Greek myths. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, now you have to go here, and there's going to be this really weird guy that's there. His whole deal is anyone that comes by his bridge has to talk to him, and like so, like that naturally kind of lends itself to a series of skits because. So let, right. let, let's list off like ten things. A uh, woman who wants shrubbery. A uh, three-headed yeah. knight. Like you just go, and Easy. then you can yeah. have all these adventures. Big tall. So guy. if you're a sketch group who wants to get into narrative film, this is a good state. Like the Odyssey is just a series of sketches by Homer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So any any hero's journey, and I also think it's that like for a fantasy geek uh, like me, and I know like Greg, I, I don't know about, but like there's so many ways that I was on my road. But one of the earliest was Arthurian legends set me on the. Yeah. I love magic. I love adventure. Oh, was it this one thing where uh, six uh, separate heroes came together in one movie? They didn't call it the Avengers, but uh, and then had their own adventures. That you were into that, Mike? That's crazy. I was a little into that. It wouldn't last with me my whole life, but at the time, I was into that. (laughs) And having be especially like the Arthur being like a normal dude finds a sword, yeah, water retard throws it at him. And the the way in which it makes medieval Britain feel so huge and mm-hmm. expansive in the same way that the Mediterranean world and Greek myth seems, because of all, all its archipelagos of islands and everything, seem like just full of areas where anything could happen and corners where magic still existed and where you never knew what you were going to find. And that sort of like wilderness and wildness in between points of of civilization that like we don't encounter anymore and that you know so you find hermits that can do magic and and crazy knights that have big swords and and are made of wood and stuff like that like it it it, It touch on like all of the real and the fake of your country's history yeah for sure yeah right so like yeah and also encounter like you know poor people who hardly have anything and who are need you know to beg heroes to intercede on their behalf and i sort of forgot because it's been a while that uh all of their 
social commentary instead of being spread out was just one shotgun blast 10 minutes into the movie <laughs> right, but look, just here's what you need to know about how we think about the world we're not going to talk about it again <laughs> but just the repetition of how the uh the like the, the lady in the lake is described within that yeah. one skit that's like that that's a, that is definitely a very funny moment and in showing the absurdity in all of our myths or religions is like you build this up that high when it's it's all crazy trash Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know like they're i also like in that part they're like wallowing in in actual filth that's all yes. they do that's like their their day i, I think in, in all these fantasies uh movies or books or otherwise it's rare that the mud is talked about and i do think uh-huh. even better than excalibur which is like the dark 80s version of this movie uh this movie covers that more than any other is like how gross and shit covered just I, the world was at the time. Or the best version of this movie, Medieval Times Dinner and Tournament. You, like There's no mud in that. We've all seen Excalibur, right? I have not Hell seen yeah. it. Okay, because it well, very much feels point. like the makers of Excalibur, who famously like were just excited to get a movie out because Star Wars was like capturing everyone's attention, but <laughs> it feels like what they did is they watched this movie to get a mm-hmm. feel for like what the tone would be like and even some of the costumes. Like it's weird that like a parody feels like it influenced a more like, you know, a mainstream s- movie. It, a, yeah, what what are you you came up first? What are you parodying then? Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> the Mordred's like golden cherubic face helmet haunts my dreams 30 years later. It that oh, there's yeah. terrifying parts of that film. But ex- Ryan, ex- Excalibur. I I guess I will. No, that was a lie. Liar. But like it was a flop, right? Like at the time and now, there's almost no social resonance for that movie now. Like, Not a, if you grew up in my household, that's a different story. But. Okay, but your your household was also a big fan of the movie Legend. So yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, any any household that like celebrated Legend and Willow probably also celebrated Excalibur. Yeah, it's like it's what we had. It's that's why you guys have a bu- upside down pineapple on your door. This house <laughs> celebrates Excalibur. Just so everybody knows. Now, when looking so that so that's a legend. When thinking about holy grail's legacy we're gonna go very specific and then broader why why is holy grail so popular in the states and then life of brian is the one the brits seem to love and the 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 players themselves think it's a much better movie Uh, i mean i think that uh it doesn't matter how far it feels like every year we get less religious as a country and oh, yeah. you actually never know how deeply fucking hardcore religious we are. I think that's definitely a part of it. That Life of Brian, which doesn't include Jesus. It's it's about the baby next door to Jesus. Brian. It, it, Brian. It's just oh, so... Oh, I just got it. I finally got the movie started. It does this crazy thing of mentioning Jesus that we're like, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And yeah, I, not like, you I, can't I, even I, hint at maybe mocking... What's going no, on? because like that is always their thing. Like it doesn't matter what you say. If I if I was like, uh, there was this one one day where Jesus did not wear black sandals. Like, how dare you say that? How blasphemous can you be? I think it's also because like we never see knights or, right. or wizards or anything. And if you're English, it's I got like everywhere. on your way to work, yeah. you're gonna like bump into a knight and a wizard and a crazy dragon and everything. You have a friend group, and you have a wizard and a knight in that friend group. That's just how Westeros is, and so <laughs> like what they want is they want to imagine you know right. Jerusalem, and they want right. to get back there, yeah, because they're like, man, what would that be like? But I do think that uh, we're not talking about Life of Brian, but Life of Brian is more thoughtful. It's better in its philosophy and execution, and this is less and to me that might be just how america works is that we uh, don't. yeah you're just you're not making me do things with my brain 
I, I think that you why? are answering part of my next question, which was going to be like, just why is it has it lasted in general? Is the I can chew on it a little, and it's very lightly speaking truth to power because it's truth to power from a five hundred thousand years ago, whenever Arthur was around. So it's we can make fun of the king and the knights, but it's not a real sharp uh, target we're aiming at. Uh huh. And it is that quotability where, like, so Greg, we were saying we had Willow, we had Legend. We didn't have a lot as fantasy fat kids. And, <laughs> man, I would go to fantasy fat kid camp Fantasy so fat camp, man. That sounds awesome. <laughs> is that and a camp where you get fatter? I think so, yes, yeah. that's you the just dream. sit around and, like, talk about dragons and eat pizza. But it is, like, I, I think for, for nerd nerds and common nerds, there, there wasn't a lot. And I know this was 75, but up through, like, the year 1999, there wasn't a, until the internet blew up. You had so yeah. few things. So this was that language where, to bring it back to Life of Brian and Christians, they're sim- they, the, the reason that Jesus' fish is so simple is one of them would draw one half of the fish and the other would draw the other. And you're like, oh, cool. You are my clan. And we are... And somebody goes, oh, cool, that guy's my clan. And then you go, you're a little safe there. Sitting down to watch this this week, like, you know, like, just sort of watch movies differently, right? When it's, you know, the movie of the year movie. And I was looking for that thing that you're talking about, Mike. And like I said before, it was just this big... Our typical conversations were in this shotgun blast where they really did just say all of the stuff that you could say about politics at the time. And... What I realized watching it is that that's all good and that's all Monty Python, right? Authority sucks and blah, blah, blah. But the truth to power really here, the magic of the movie here is uh, uh, fuck studios and fuck notes, right. you know? And like, even if you don't, if, if you think the movie's poorly made or if you think that the movie is not as funny as you have heard, you have to give it up for the fact that th- these people went out and they got... A bunch of rich rock stars, but still not studios to go let them do whatever they want. And they do. And they still had to a, talk those rich rock stars to giving them money. Like, yeah. And also, even with those rich rock stars, they still only got like $400,000 to make this movie. It's not a lot of like, money. Led Zeppelin, the, like the, a million. How, how about that? For being a student film, basically, like it's, it's impressive. And that the Terry's got the directing job for this because they bugged their main director for so long that he went fine you fucking make the yeah. next one and they went <laughs> and that's all because all the, the, he would direct and like the lights wrong so you're gonna want to move that there and he they just pestered him long enough that he went no you do the next one and they went yes and the other four didn't care about directing so they that's how they got want, the yeah. job or that yeah that's how the terry's got their job but like the the they just they didn't want to be noted to death by studios. They were only noted to death by each other. And that is why we get like a really uneven, sometimes very funny, sometimes unfunny movie. But you have to. You have to admire the punk rock status of the entire thing. Like it, it looks so bad and that's yes. why it rules. And I, also, I, I'm, Greg? one thing that, that I think part of what's hard about it is it, it, like it has inspired so much that we are, it's easy to when watching the movie take what it is doing for granted mm-hmm. you know um but like now every movie has most comedies have some meta textual commentary right but like that is like the heart and soul of it's right. not just that though like but the, our dream everyone's dream every, everyone who's anybody like us the dream is to one day have a movie that says written by and starring Ryan Haley, Greg Heinlein, Mike Gravano, Daniel Tompkins, right. Kate Dellis, Taylor Wilhite, right? Like, that is yeah. the dream, is to form that group and do this thing. And Specifically, that, those people is everybody's dream, actually, I think. 
Yeah, everyone wants those. Well, things. listen, you can make that dream come true. I think you could get hey, that crew assembled. What, 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 who's the current day Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and shit? So throw some money, Vampire Weekend and Chaim. Maroon 5. But to, oh, come on, Adam. The cool rockers. To uh, to all, all come together and write the script and then, uh, and then also play all the parts is just yeah. a the new American dream. That is the American dream. We're going to think about that during this next break. When we come back, we're going to build a little mountain. Mount Rushmore. As we all know, Mount Rushmore is in the Dakotas. It's a mountain to the four most fabulous presidents we have ever had. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We, today, are building the Mount Rushmore of Hot Boys of 1975. Yes, it's that time of the season. Everybody's favorite Mount Rushmore topic. We get dozens of emails about how much people like this one and how we definitely shouldn't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it, does made feel like, no. it does feel like so far 75 cares not for hot girls and only for hot <laughs> boys. I got to tell you, this week was hard. Next week will be more difficult for sure. <laughs> I, I definitely like in doing my research, uh, which again is always fun to type in a year and then type in like sexiest guy and, and just, you know, try to figure out uh, what my stable of dudes is going to be. I think for 75, there was as much a dichotomy between the hot boys, which is putatively what we're looking for. That's what we call it. The hot boys, but the like tiger beat boys of this time are very young versus. Yeah. Are really, what we're saying, hot boys, but we mean the hot men, yes. right? It's just yeah. Boys is like boys and girls, yeah. but we don't mean sure. boys and girls. They're yeah. never hot. They're at most precocious and cute. Yeah, or they're they're hot to each other, and, and we don't need to worry about that. Just, so that, the funniest thing is when you get a little older and you're like, I called that person hot in high school. There's no hot people in high school. We were children. <laughs> yeah, everyone's face is weird and round. But when you have a memory from high school, it's your. 45 year old brain in that kid's body saying those things what the fuck mike not better makes it worse and grosser which is i would just bend over and pick stuff up just to feel the lower back being perfect oh man no pain i didn't even grunt drop into some squats (laughs) this is what this is what they mean when they say explore your body right (laughs) yes (laughs) squat back all the most of my high school memories have me parkouring all throughout the high school (laughs) well you were the parkour king right that's what they called you back then we had a one-man parkour team All right. Well, I'm glad we agree to that because then I've got my list of absolutely devastatingly hot dudes. And again, this is not <laughs> this is not who is hot in 2021, right? We're trying to no. paint a picture. Uh, this is the 75 I don't hotties. Want to be ageist? Nobody who is hot in 75 is hot today. Oh, a- Michael, not true. Also, I did make sure to have all of my people be aged 75. Oh, they were 75 and 75. Ed Asner. <laughs> They're all Ed Asner. Yeah. Sexy 75 in 75. How many tickets could we sell to uh, Rushmore of four Ed Asner heads? How all many tickets? tickets? All of them. Many, many. People would line up around the block. Mostly because they wouldn't understand what any of it means. What's this line for again? I'm just standing <laughs> here. I just missed lines because of COVID. <laughs> Ryan, who are you throwing up there? Mike. I have to combine literally everything that we just said into one fucking person. Yep. So after this, I'm going to say some weird ones, and you're going to tell me if I'm wrong or right. Greg's going to say some weird ones, but I've just got one that is going to combine literally everything we said, and that is Tim Curry from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Rocky. 
Yeah, it is uh, impossible. Right. Tim Sorry Curry, also the very top name on my list. Uh, hottest boy, and frankly, much hotter than than all the women in 1975. I don't think there's going to be a single woman that was hotter than Tim Curry in 1975. I've recently been not frankly, Greg. <laughs> I've recently been uh, taught by my wife that there's such a thing as man hot and girl hot, and most boys, when they try to get hot, they go for man hot. Like what, uh, people what like other the rock men will think is attractive. Yeah. Would you have muscles it, upon muscles upon muscles? Yeah, and just these clothes that all girls are like, "What the fuck?" But boys are like, "Oh man, is he cool?" Uh, Tim Curry in the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is uh, a Patreon only, coming yeah. soon to you. Uh, does it all, Mike? Everything you need. It's it's it's. I, I find this guy attractive throughout his career. I think as Rooster and Annie, he he plays. He's very attractive in the, those like nineteen forty suits. What about uh, the hero of legend fighting down that villain Tom Cruise? I would let all those horns go in all my holes, man. He's how about Command and hot. Conquer too? Red Alert. You know, does he say yeah. jobs done? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's in cutscenes where uh, they were. It was hard for them to get all the way through because he would just keep laughing about how zany for video game cutscenes. This is crazy. In. Why are we doing yeah. this? <laughs> I would call him the most spicy version of curry that's ever existed. Uh, yes. I had some chicken curry for lunch, and let me tell you, if it had been Tim Curry, I would be twice as satisfied <laughs> as I am. Give right me all now. that mango lassie, which is what he calls everybody he sleeps with, which is <laughs> pretty hot. Next up, Greg. Okay, well, is he going on the mountain or what? Oh yeah, I saw. Oh sorry, yeah, you oh, okay. the mountain. You, you yeah. got that point. Man, it's so hard because that's one of of a uh, that's probably the slam dunkiest slam dunk. And then there's a bevy, right? And then there's a bevy of dudes. It's a beefcake mm-hmm. buffet over here. But I'm going to go. Rio early I feel in the like before the lines. Sorry, I feel like there's different types of sexy dudes in in 1975, and I'm going to pick someone who frankly checks every single box. And it's John Travolta. All right. Up his nose with the rubber hose. Yeah. At this time, this is both kind of like the soft, boyishly good looking, if he chooses to be, but then also still kind of like the rugged, tough guy. Hey, I don't really understand what's going on, but I'm looking really good, right? Oh my God, Kata, welcome back. The star of, uh, like the, the, the pinnacle of dumb is hot. Yeah, For right. Sure. Himbo, an early himbo. Early himbo. Uh, he had the feathered hair. This in is Welcome Back, Cotter. Imagine the Definky twins is one person with dark hair, and that's going to be John Travolta in 1975. And you know what? For like boomers, probably, or maybe the generation right between boomers and us, they do not know when he was born. 50s, 60s, 70s. Like yeah. he is all of the decades. He he was hot until he stopped playing this exact role because Vinny Barbarino is uh, is uh, Danny Zuko. Like the minute yeah, he stopped yeah. being like, should I be in this era? It's like, oh god, no. We learned about the things you believe. But think about like that casting. I'm gonna go from Vinny Barbarino to Danny Zuko. Like he may yeah. have been typecast for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Super fucking Italian guy. Yeah, he's right up oh, there my god. Boom. on the mountain. We got two, and they are two different kinds of hot guys. And I want them all. Ryan, what's up? <laughs> I'm going to go right in the middle of those two hot boys. Um, we have a movie coming up with someone who is legendarily hot. Maybe the king of uh, a couple of decades himself. Uh, but throughout the 60s and the late 50s, he played just the ultimate heartthrob. And then in Shampoo, he's like, I'm going to be a hairstylist. 
and then still fuck my way through LA and still make all the girls buy the movie tickets. It's Warren Beatty still rocking ass in 75. Warren fucking Beatty. And how old is he? When was he born? He's one of those guys. He was born in 75. Okay, he can't be hot then. I've learned that if I'm ever asked a year in this season, just say 1975. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing 1940. For drama's sake, he's going on the maybe pile. Maybe, but I think he's a safe baby. Drama. I have somebody who was so hot in 1975 that they cast him as somebody dowdy, and then they just couldn't follow through on it. Someone so hot that he had to become our fictional president for like 16 years. That's right, Robert Redford, who was so smoking hot that they put him in Three Days of the Concord as a guy who reads books, and still he was like, no. I'm too hot for that. For books. And then proceeded to act in a very problematic way that we'll talk about on the show that we do three days of the Concord. But I think he was a fashion icon at this time and certainly one of our hottest boys. It is and impossible is it to okay? fight against the Redford. Is it okay to claim him for my team? What do you mean? I know it's like more strawberry blonde than ginger, but oh yeah, I think oh, he yeah. might be the hottest ginger I, of all time. I, I thought think... you were asking like, "Hey, Mike, can you put down that?" I <laughs> can just I just give that? I was that too, and I was like, "Huh." <laughs> yeah. Depending I, on how I, Mike uh, answers this, I'm going to change my strategy. I would fight against that, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think he's he's the uh, aspirational ginger. Your mm. your scale is Sherman to Redford, <laughs> and baby, you're Redford. Oh, pretty good nice. pickup line, right? <laughs> yeah, use that on all the girls. It would be just pure gibberish to most people who are on, on this show, but I don't want to <laughs> talk to any of them. All right, we got one spot left. Ryan. Redford's on? Redford's on. Okay. okay. So I'm going to go with somebody. Well, actually, I do think that it, it should be uh, Warren Beatty, but uh, I'm going to argue against myself, the weird fucking spot that Rushmore puts me in, and say <laughs> the guy who, like, just all women were crazy. I, I would say, like, the Beatle of 1975. Was because a little show, Mike, appeared in 1975 where somebody was like, musical guest. But before that, they were like, Chevy Chase. And people could not get enough of Chevy Chase. That's what 1975 was. That's how you know this is a weird fucking era from (laughs) Satan's butthole that Chevy Chase was the hottie. I have someone even hotter than Chevy Chase, Mike. Oh, shit. Who is it? Elliot Gould. Good as Gould. Good as Gould. Ryan, do you want to do another one? So then the maybe pile, you'll both have a couple on there. Yeah, I got somebody. Uh, Maybe you don't like his face, but I'm sure you know his name. Uh, His name is Barry Manilow. And he was the Chevy Chase of 1975. (laughs) At the Copa. The where? Copa Copa Cabana. Perfect harmony. Brought to you by Zoom. Your Mount Rushmore maybe pile is Warren Beatty, Chevy Chase, Elliot Gould, and Barry Manilow. And can I throw on there the one that would have gotten on there and you would have gotten two points? Yeah, why not? I'll cut it out later. This gent does straddle the line between the teen beat set and 75 is when he was like, no, it's not just your little voice. I want all of your body, David Cassidy. David Cassidy was the fucking hottest of boys in 75. Partridge Family had just ended in 74, and now he was touring the city and making all those panties wet. Oh. Can I throw one more in there, Mike? But I didn't say it because you're the host. Uh, Joe Namath 
had a pantyhose uh, commercial uh, yeah. in 1975. And, and he a was a very footballer? big deal. That's a footballer. Good job. So well, got- no, football player. Not Did not play soccer. Football Americano. Joe Namath, Warren Beatty, Chevy Chase, Elliot Gould, Barry Manilow, and David Cassidy. Greg, cut one of them. Cut one of them? David Cassidy. You son of a bitch. You can't hear it, but Ryan just Ryan. got a point. Oh. But, but David Cassidy is cut. Ryan, cut one. I need him again. And this is the last time I'll ask, I promise. Namath, Beatty, Chase, Gould, Manilow. Manilow. Your. 1975, hot boys, parentheses, we really mean hot men, close parentheses, mountain, (laughs) is Tim Curry, John Travolta, Robert Redford, and Elliot Gould. With the amount of drilling we do with Gould throughout the season, he cannot be on it. That is the Mount Rushmore, and I would cream if I just stood near it. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to clean up my pants, and when we come back, (laughs) we're going to talk about is that problematic to say? (laughs) well that is very very funny or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies historically speaking and if you looked at any blockbuster section this is understood to be a comedy (laughs) but has its jokes withstood years of hearing the least funny people you've ever known scream the lines constantly heard it i think there are some jokes that like they can't and i would like to say this to all past and future comedies uh do stuff without dialogue so fucking uh, fedored neckbeards cannot ruin your shit. There's uh-huh. some stuff that like I watched this movie three times this week, and there's stuff that made me laugh every single time, nice. and it's it's because of the lack of dialogue, and that might be because of those nerds or just because of at some points maybe the directors were a little bit okay at their jobs, which is it, was it uh, everybody marching out of the skeleton's nose? Did that, that make was, you laugh every time? That was all right. Uh, I think that. Um, John Cleese running towards the castle basically Never created funny. basically created Mike Myers' entire career. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That is the no from Austin <laughs> Powers for sure. And I think that uh, closed in on a monk singing for a little bit longer than you would like to watch and then smacks his head with a brick. Like yeah. These are things that you cannot do at bars when you've done three shots of fucking Jägermeister. You can try. I've tried to do the Lancelot, and it mostly turns to me slamming my head into something on accident. But, like, I've heard someone do that voice with, like, the bring me a shrubbery. Yeah. Like, just so many times. And it's it's always the same type of person, which is, like, somebody who really likes jokes and likes to laugh and thinks it's fun and likes to remember things that are funny, but, like, doesn't actually generate jokes themselves which is fine because that's hard to do it's hard to be funny and they want to say something yes guys and they want it no i'm trying to pick my way through this don't do that i try to pick my way through this but you know it's just like so i just you have heard it in the place of jokes a lot like this is where a joke would go and then instead somebody says one of the lines and maybe for me i didn't have the context for a long time right and then they all laugh and it's like even the way they laugh is annoying and so like it reminds me a lot of like uh, you get put in prison 
and you look like we do, and you're like, oh, what are you guys, skinheads? I'll be on this group, I guess. Like, that's what it is to, like, repeat these quotes in a conversation. Or uh, laughing the loudest in the movie at the joke you saw a thousand times in the trailer. The laugh uh-huh. is like, see, we all get it. Versus, <laughs> like, it's a laugh of belonging versus a laugh of, this and is ma- funny. Again, we're going to talk about Rocky, and we're not going to watch it in the movie theater setting, which is probably, you know, destined to be in. But I guarantee that Rocky in a full theater is way better than Monty Python and the Holy Grail in a full theater. Yeah, you know, like less that, annoying. That's a whole thing as opposed to. Well, uh, it, it, interesting way to to compare these two kinds of fandoms is uh, Rocky. Rocky. I'm sorry, I'll say it correctly. <laughs> uh, if you go, there is dialogue that is not in the movie that will make it better. That there's a whole off script thing that goes on that like there's. Monty Python, people are just going to say the joke that's about to come in 30 seconds. They're about they're going to scream it right before it happens. So they get credit. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, the worst way to watch any movies with that yeah. kind of person. And so it's just like the... It's hard to encounter this text in a very original way. And then also to then have seen it a couple times. I think it, it's just... There are ways in which it, it is not fresh. But at the same time, there are some jokes that I don't know if you forget about them or are more naturalistic, but it was mentioned earlier, I think King Arthur saying like, you've made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> that basically delivers yeah. every single time. Especially because uh, that is one of the most, probably the most referenced on paraphernalia and is it's the Black Knight scene. So oh, it's yeah. been done to death. But at the very end, nobody does the tag, which is the funniest part, is the... You made me sad. And then he just <laughs> clip-clops past the guy's uh, belimbed body. And we talk a lot of, uh, about extra textual and like, how do we feel about this movie knowing who John Cleese is? You know, and John mm-hmm. Cleese is not Bill Cosby, but John Cleese is, has turned Never out to be like, uh, uh, like a little J.K. Rowling Jr. He um, looks so different that I, they are two different people in my head. <laughs> but he used to be so tall and thin and handsome. But he kind of he kind of swelled up a bit, huh? Yeah, he did swell and up a bit. And he got a mustache, which does a... Like, in my head, when I think of John Cleese, it is Fierce Creatures. Not A Fish Called Wanda. It is Fierce Creatures, John Cleese. <laughs> but I would like everyone to know that... I'm a Faulty it, Towers guy myself, <laughs> but... If you are uh, homophobic or anti-trans, then you will swell up. And that's, yeah, that's God hate, saying ooh. you... Yeah, the hate Alec gets Baldwin. inside you and really plumps you up, and so that's you got to like just push that off and just accept people for who they are. Otherwise, you're gonna g- and that weird mustache grows, which I think they both have, and it's just not very, not very attractive. <laughs> the extra textual with this is not the assholes that won or some of they then became. It's the fans, and like mm-hmm. this doesn't have full Szechuan sauce status, no. but it's close. No. It, you know, it's it, free. The Monty Python fans walk, so Rick and Morty fans could scream Szechuan sauce in McDonald's. And I think that they exist in some spaces that we have been in and then are extra annoying. Like, so I'm thinking of like, we always talk about our local comic book store that we all went to called Dark Star Comics. I'm thinking of like Magic the Gathering tournaments at Dark Star Comics where all anybody is shouting out is just lines from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And they're all doing it in teen voice. It's pre-internet. Like it invented the internet. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like in the way that the internet was like a text we could all go to and it connected right. all of us and that we all like shared in the creation of. Kind of everybody knew that everybody else had seen Monty Python, the Holy Grail. As the uh, announced defender of this movie on this show, I do one of the most uh, reference. Another one is that she turned me into new. I do think Cleese's, I know he's a bad guy, but his I got better is one of the best deliveries <laughs> oh, of, yeah. of the jokes throughout the movie. Probably that that might be that the, the single best joke uh, in the whole thing or maybe the uh the old guy saying uh 
like I'm not really dead in the beginning, uh-huh. yeah. which then becomes a callback. This movie has a problem with callbacks. Not everything that is a ref- reference to a joke that appeared earlier in the movie, like that's not always just funny just because you did it. Like you there's have late, to. F- there's like late night sleepover mentality, and some of them is like yeah. remember, and some of it I do think the swallow stuff works, but yeah, the the not dead yet happens through the the first uh, get on with it. It's surprising, but then they do it later. Yeah. You're right. They, they definitely like just beat it to they're like, it worked last time, right? Let's go. I actually I uh, appreciate the call forwards more than the callbacks. Like when people we have not met in the movie. Where are Tim just appears at, before. Yeah. <laughs> Those work it, way better. With that, how how do the meta jokes uh so much of the comedy is meta and and I think it was earlier reference that that didn't exist in seventy five. Do they work for the comedy of the movie, or is it just a way of literally, specifically, the get on with it way of just pushing the plot forward because there's not that much plot? Well, in the commentary, they talked a lot about the opening credits, you know, and like they couldn't afford to film more jokes, but like you have to have jokes, right? You're fucking Monty Python. You gotta have jokes everywhere. Every square foot has to have a joke in it. And they talked a lot about how funny that was. They didn't talk about how oft repeated. That has been since then, you know? They just talked about like how great like how much that bowled the audience over that there were fucking jokes in the opening credits. And I think that's a lot of the movie. It's really hard if you're not uh I don't know, fifteen in nineteen seventy five, or you're not like Mike and you know, just grew up on this movie, it's really hard to appreciate the originality yeah. of all of the winks at the camera, the let's cut to animation. Uh do you think this scene should be cut? Without, because it was just so copied after that. It's a little bit like people who never really got into the Beatles, but you rarely hear someone say it's because the Beatles aren't a good band. They're just like, I like everything that they helped inspire, right. but maybe not, and not that this movie is the Beatles by, but like, but you know, it's the same idea. It's the which Ruddles is, at best. I love everything you gave us. I, lo- I love all these different types of jokes, right. but maybe other people have come around and, and done it a little bit better but see like i think that the ramones is sort of unlistened to a and like i don't i don't I, I it still feels like cheap and garbage mm. although i know that what it inspired i've been told how great the ramones are it still doesn't right. make it listen to whereas with this i just i can still get into the fucking insane low budget craziness that they're trying to attempt here. I, the early I, youtube so much of the time, I do feel like what my reaction to what they're doing is, is a sort of admiration. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and so that's, you that's know, why I don't like laugh counting. Yeah. And that's right. because honestly, like, um, I see the meta thing as mostly a way to connect all the, the skits together and a way to just apologize for the fact that like, well, there's a lot of things we can't do in this movie right. because we simply can't afford it or because as we were tying this all together, this was the only way it worked. And so by, putting a pin on it and drawing attention to it. I think that's a very clever thing to do, but it's it that doesn't always contribute directly to enjoyment. And right. That is true. I mean, there are stuff that is not enjoyable. Um the uh 45 seconds of post credits opening credits which just flashing lights and yes. llama talk. Oh man, yeah, that that is Seems a little racist too. Pokémon, we're going to make us all how racist how what? In the commentaries they were just like we thought Mexican singing was funny. Yeah, it's oh. basically cuz it's like sort of a pan central and and south american. It's like all those countries down there and then like a vaguely like Mexican sounding song and then a lot of jokes about llamas. Uh yeah. Which would insp- the llama is like an old. It threw out all of. 
they have an circus. animal thing for sure. They they think llamas are hilarious. And, and that kids are funny. All, all together, I get it. And that carried through to like Winamp and SimCity, right? Oh, yeah. the, the the llama jokes carry through to there. But you know, it's a funny animal. It's certainly a little cringy, I would yeah. say. Not just to, to peer forward. Talk in, about in, flash forward. <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit cringy to be just like, you know, th- there's a Reba Reba quality to the music. Like, it's very speedy <laughs> Gonzalez, you know? And then to also be, I am not epileptic, but I am now. Almost yeah, <laughs> dude, the way this was flashing, I don't think anybody should see. This was like from uh, Watchmen in 2019. Like, I felt like this was going to make me do violence or something. <laughs> the other thing, too, as far as the budget goes, is that we have seen... Like uh, it's it's not that hard to think that like oh okay coconuts because horses are expensive but we have watched a million low budget movies try to be bigger than they were and yeah. they just suck and how they always have this level and then this level and then this level and then this level of how they're going to get around it I uh, I do think is ultimately incredibly impressive they and and then there's one thing to Patsy to say it's only a model which. Uh, he was supposed to be a whole nother night and he was going to do that throughout the whole movie. I am really glad they're like, no, you're funnier just with your face, Terry. And <laughs> make that joke once versus a thousand times throughout the movie. There's that kind of like, let's make fun of how cheap we are versus other than Arthur, all their clothes are wool and painted. And I think they did a really good job at making yeah. wool and don't make fun of that. Like I think, I do think they, they know what to make fun of. We're, broke and they know it to just be like well we're broke but let's hide that shit so like i listened to two commentaries on this movie and uh monty python i learned is basically split in half so it's uh eric and john and graham the oxford guys no the cambridge guys cambridge guys and they're all about comedy only barbs bullies like they're just shit bags who only care (laughs) about funny and then there's the two terry's and michael and i feel like michael is sort of a go-between but uh, the two Terry's and Michael, which are, you know, it is a movie. Can we, <laughs> is there any way we can just like think about it as a movie? Um, and that is that's the battle that they had the whole time, right? And oh, but the thing that uh, both commentaries had in common was we have to give it up to the costume person because if it yeah. wasn't for her, yeah. we would have been fucked. Like I she mean, again, like I talked about the the knights that say neat, they look really cool. Uh, Tim looked really cool. Like the even I thought even the three headed night yeah. like that what looks, else are you gonna that do that always looks stupid but it actually that guy looked like a bruiser he looked like he wouldn't yeah, want to fight him thank god him he up. can't move even a little bit and he could absolutely get into a rated r movie oh yeah for <laughs> sure for everybody sure. talks about the stack on top nobody no. talks about stack side, to by side. side by side <laughs> all right we have to take the shortest of breaks and when we come back something completely different Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on Bandcamp. he's on spotify uh, soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh, you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check him out.
due to popular demand. We've done it once, and gosh darn it, we'll do it again and again and again. Is this me karaoke previous episodes of Movie of the Year? Ryan, please take it away. And this one is AI. <laughs> Uh, hello and welcome to Movie of the Year. <laughs> uh, I think I started that out pretty strong. I sounded uh, just like Greg. It is our newest, our most favoritest, because it's the newest uh, segment. It is the Director Draft. Previously on the Director Draft, Greg got Spike Lee. Woo! Go ahead, Mike, say it. The... Just learn how to say it. Just learn how to say it. Denis Villeneuve. I see that was yep. a little better than I thought. Very good. <laughs> and Ryan got, uh, some have been calling it the weakest original pick uh, anybody's ever done, and PTA and the Coen Did brothers. Did I fuck up because they weren't? Like, those are my guys. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't think there's, there's no winning this. There's only fucking up. <laughs> there's only fucking up, and Ryan fucked up by choosing the two greatest directors alive. Three. So what's the point of any of it? Three. I mean, they're two. The Coen brothers are one entity. And Mike got Alex Garland and YTT and Y and Tico. So only Mike is yeah. allowed to watch to look at pictures of Taika Waititi hooking up, yeah. hooking up, three way kissing <laughs> with Alex Garland. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, and they're doing the dance from X. Oh Mode. man, they're not gonna fucking not do the dance. That's a lot of heat. If you <laughs> learn that dance, you do that dance. So Greg is nailing like going... uh, Ugo 1975. Uh, that character dialogue. <laughs> That's a lot of heat. <laughs> that is what most of them say. Wait, where is he going now? <laughs> oh, hey, let's. What? What? Let's quiet say? down. Listen to this next line of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't say that so loud, please. Why? What? <laughs> we will be doing two rounds once again, and I'm going to demand that Greg picks a number. Well, Greg has to go first. Between. Why? That's this is permanent now. Why he picked last in the last one, he gets to go again. So you're always two and a yeah, because it's like one big draft. Yeah, it's a perma draft, bro. Uh, yeah, I it's all part this. of the same draft. So I'm going first, correct? I both hate these rules. Hate no, that but, I'm following no, but we're them. Following we're following the rules, Mike. We love the rules, and yeah. we're following okay. them. These That's are the fine. I was going to switch first. it up every. Time. It wouldn't be fair all to right. me, Greg. <laughs> Have you met Greg? Yeah, the listeners will go crazy. They go, ah, the one guy we ah. Uh, All right, Greg goes first. So we're all having fun. This person is not in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame, but almost could be, because he has under his belt one oh another man, perhaps two movies of the year. Roma definitely won movie of the year. Son of a bitch, no. Did uh, Mike roll the dice? Roll the dice. Roll the dice, Mike. <laughs> I did tried to Mama win movie of the year. It was very close. It was very close, but it and didn't. And you know, right? Children of Men is going to win movie of that year. Uh, I I said who everybody had, and was still surprised that this. Yeah, I know. I, I like looked at the list where it's highlighted, and I know who these people are, and I still was like, wow. but like, let's be for reals. Greg is straight up picking a Ryan pick right now, and that's kind of fucked up. No, this is a very Greg pick. I was all in on Roma, oh, and I was at the Secret Garden. I briefly, I briefly considered calling him my favorite director, and maybe even a, even did a couple Ooh. of times. So this is this is my guy. This is, and I. Say his name. Alfonso Cuarón, sorry. Yeah, it's good to tell the <laughs> listeners what we're actually talking about instead of just uh, looking at the name myself. Oh, we all Yeah, know. but the director of, of Roma, uh, the director of Itu Mama, Tambien, the director of the good Harry Potter movie, 
uh, at gravity, which is like still surprised me because that's like you're shaking your head no, Ryan. No, I'm saying don't fuck with this. Like, oh yeah, you're like oh what gravity Avatar Titanic. Fuck you. You went to the theater and you saw Gravity and you fucking loved it every yeah. second. Like, don't be like oh this isn't Children of Men. Yeah, but it was still a magnificent experience at the theater. He directed the pants off that movie. He did. He absolutely and he knows how to handle Clooney. Get him in, get him out, and he's gone. I my favorite story about Gravity is uh, my wife and I were getting dinner before we saw the movie. For and me, the, it involves Newton, but go ahead. And the waiter was like, uh, the waiter, excuse me, was like, uh, "What are you guys doing?" And we said, "We're going to go see Gravity." Out. And he said the truest thing anyone's ever said about the movie Gravity, which is, he looked up to the sky and he said, "We don't belong up there." And that is the perfect <laughs> summation of what the movie Gravity is. Were you at Planet Hollywood? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Islands, Ryan. I think I was at an Islands, okay? Planet are you proud? Islands. Are you proud that you outed the me? The best ranch. <laughs> they have the in best front of ranch everyone in to say that I went to Islands with my sweet lady wife. New draft burger restaurants. <laughs> but uh he he there. took that statement, we're not supposed to be up there, Alfonso Coron, and he turned it into a delightful movie with Sandra Bullock. Delightful? Delightful. No, it was an it's absolute a blast. I wasn't delighted. I wasn't saying it's bad. I'm not defying gravity. I'm just saying delight is not the emotion it made I don't, me feel. It made me feel horror and trepidation. Yeah, that too. I don't have Spike Lee. I don't have Alice Garland. This is the most bullshit so far. But remember at the very end of Gravity, where Gravity has taken her all the way back to the planet Earth? John and then Gravity? She puts That's her, like, she like is like hunched over and then she stands up and puts her foot on the, uh, on the Earth and you're like, she did it. She's back on Earth. That moment is like as emotional as as some of like the moments from his more uh, tug on the heartstrings mo- movies. I would say she said, "This is no man's land." Where's my blind side? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like net speed. <laughs> I believe net good pull. <laughs> Murder by numbers. I believe the turn is mine. That's a good pick. Greg. Thank I'm you. Curious at you. Pinko. Uh, Pinkos. Uh, if we're going this way, winner of a previous movie of the year and I think could win again in the future and maybe, you know what? If we're lucky in the past. Mm. I'm going to also go international. I like genre blending. I like it if it's done throughout the film and I like it if it's a hard cut halfway through. It stops being a wacky soap opera comedy type thing into a horrible monster movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I like a movie that's so confusing that it can make rich people like Chrissy Teigen say, I love this movie and relate and not get how ironic it is. I'm taking Bong Joon-ho, director of Parasite, the host, Snowpiercer, and all. I thought, uh, this is a good mic pick, but I thought that he was going with the true mic pick, and he's just not going to take it. Do you know who I'm talking about, Greg? Uh, the director of um, The Handmaiden? No. Okay. So we don't know. Okay. So good pick, Mike. Thank you. I think I could sit on if yeah, I, think, I know. if I think who you think you're thinking about. I'm not about, doing that shit anymore. Sit I'm not on sitting on people. I'm gonna actually be true to myself. All right. Well, when you go to Santa, good luck getting your wish. <laughs> but I'm being true to myself. I'm being true to myself while taking somebody you might also. No, want that to was a director with. who That's was near, uh, Greg. Okay. Yeah, I've hated all those movies. Yeah. You just pretend. You, you just pretend asshole. like Parasite. You're like, I didn't get it, everybody. I'm so confused. Please explain it to me. It does make sense. I'm not allergic to peaches, so I don't understand. <laughs> I have a double whammy now. Yeah, bang, yes. bang. Okay, Fucking so bullshit. I'm going to take two people who are actually me and not cheat like Mike did. The Safty brothers. <laughs> this is that count. This is crazy. Um, I'm going to take two guys who just will not be encaged by genre. 
And I feel like that I love all of their movies, regardless of genre, a little bit more than you two or anyone else. My first one is Steven Soderbergh. And uh, he's been my guy for a really long time. And Yeah, that's a Ryan Pickford yeah. show. And uh, he has a new movie that ha- it came out the week of this recording, and I cannot wait. It stars Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro. Uh, what more do you need? But uh, Oh, what's that one called? No. Because uh, you, know, you know who else I think is in that? Julia Fox, friend of the show. <laughs> Julia Fox. I think she's in that one. Um, but every single time this guy makes a movie, he tries to redo right. his entire career. And if we look at Sex, Lies, and Videotape, The Limey, um, Ocean's Eleven, uh, King of the Hill, like it, it, everything he does, dun, I'm dun, just dun, so dun, stoked dun, about dun, how dun, dun. different he's trying to do different things. And yeah. I, I just want to see what he has to say. And also, he makes like two movies a year, so I am set for movies if I have him on my team. Okay, I like that thought. Yeah, because for some of these, it is a volume play, right? How many movies are you going to get? How many yeah. movies are you going to deny your two favorite people? That's I, another important thing. I would say like a moody favorite is the reason for the season tonight. And I don't know if he's going to get drafted. One of the directors of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, because he's so old and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and it's gotten... It's gotten what else he's going to make? I think his best... It's gotten shaky. Him. Yeah. It's gotten a little bit shaky, yeah. That whole... Uh, What's it called? Not Don Juan. Parnassus. Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Don't you talk shit on the Isn't that the one, though? Parnassus. Or were you talking about the Don Quixote one? I'm talking about the Don Quixote one, yeah. Talk, Don Quixote. The Imaginarium. His, his pleasure died. He had, he had to pull in. But <sighs> that when we get great. to the Fuck Imaginarium you. of Don Quixote, that's probably going to be really good. <laughs> By the one, Ryan, similar to Richard guess. Linklater, uh, is... <laughs> Richard Linklater, and the reason that I'm ta- <laughs> wait, <laughs> and, and the reason I'm taking Richard Linklater is because there is every once in a while the Bad News Bears, the time where he like veers off and he's like, "Oh, movie stardom, I think I can do it." Uh, but this is my guy because in a very Soderbergh like thing of uh, the Before trilogy, which is you know three of my favorite movies of all time. They're not making that fourth one though, so you don't get that, jerk. You don't know that. You don't know that. They're not doing it, right? You don't know that They're until not, they make it. Maybe Julie Delpy will direct it. It'll be a Julie Delpy movie. Um, but we also have the Days and Confused. We also have the Everybody Wants Some. Um, and this is somebody who Mike I could have probably waited on, but no, because I was gonna fucking take it my next turn. You, if ass. I'm trying, to yeah, make- this feels like a Mike. This feels like you scooped this up from Mike because this is his guy. Maybe we can talk about trades later, but if I'm going to talk <laughs> about how this list is going to be me, um, I do think that this guy has to be on it. This guy changed er- mm-hmm. like what I know about movie making because but typically when you say that, it's because you're talking about like Kubrick or Spielberg and how big movies can be. And he is like the non-Kevin Smith that I grew up who taught me how little movies can be and be just as good as the big ones. And those are my two. Seems Crazy. Those are good picks. Those are good picks. And also Hitchcock. It just will always seem unfair that it is two in a row. You're just also taking Hitchcock on the way out. <laughs> All his future movies also belong to you. Uh, I think this is a king of genre remixes. Uh, if you think it's this kind of movie, I'm going to make it even better. Uh, I'm also going across the pond. Everything's the pond if it's not in the U.S., yes? Oh, yeah. Everything's a pond the, away. It's... 2020, we covered one of his. He made five movies because that's how he spent his In quarantine. 2020? Called it one thing. Yeah. He came out with five movies called The Tiniest of Axes. I'm taking Steve McQueen. 
I think he will only keep doing better and oh, better. Shit. And he's mine. And you guys do not. Get Does to he see get Steve the other movies. Steve McQueen? Yeah, you also don't get other Steve McQueen. Okay, because he's dead. No, the great escape, <laughs> <laughs> and never directed a movie. But uh, man, like Greg, do we think Mike is playing fair here? I think so. Yeah, I, I think that we're just responding to how upsetting it is not to get to have. I feel like he's taking Steve McQueen is me or Greg's director, and Mike is somebody. I love Widows. I love Shane. But we assume you do love it and watching it. <laughs> we assume that Mike would be like Kevin Smith or the guy who directed Nightmare on Elm Street Four. Yeah, but he's not going to go that way. Why would I do that? It's still, I want to see good movies. I want to see good movies. Kevin Smith hasn't made a good. Kevin Smith hasn't made a good movie in fifteen. I'm years. trying to see good movies. All right. Shit. Okay, Steve McQueen off the board. You dickhead, Greg. It's your turn. Okay. Uh, with this next pick, I I'm really looking to the future, and I'm saying I want someone who I feel like has a ton of movies that she. <gasps> That's right, motherfuckers. Shit. Th- Lady directors. Oh, yeah. Can you believe it? I know, oh, I know who it is. Women making films. Steven Spielberg. Uh, but this movie bowled me over. It it changed my worldview. It's First Cow. The director is Kelly Reichardt. Not, not who I thought. I know who Fucking you were thinking of, pick. and this is a more Greg pick than that. I'm not gonna. It I'm is. not going to pick someone who like just because I think you guys would also want her. But I uh, want Kelly Reichardt way more than this unnamed person i feel like i have sort of recently discovered a whole new type of film that i really like and she does it better than i think anybody else first cow like it 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 dragged me to its speed it took somebody who has is basically like modern adhd person and i really am and um made me shut up and sit down and get onto the wavelength of a completely different time and then really exposed me to a, a beautiful story in First Cow, and it it makes me think that um, she has many movies ahead of her that will just make me feel the same way, and it's the w- the calmness I felt while watching most of First Cow is like the, only as calm as I ever feel when I'm reading, and so her movies make me feel as good as I feel when I'm reading, which is usually not how movies make me feel, and it's not because she doesn't highlight things that are tough, right? First Cow they die. Remember everybody? They die. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, but they really live before that, Mike. And that's, I think, the, the important oh, okay, part. Good, good, good. After I watched, after we all watched First Cow, uh, I went and watched Meek's Cutoff, which is known as her best movie, but I'd never seen it before. And I do think it's a little better, but it is crazy the confidence that she has to very obviously send all of the drama off camera and then have people like knitting while they watch a conversation happened that they cannot hear and we just watch them knit. <laughs> Kelly Riker is an absolute steal in this round, Mike, I gotta say. Yes! I agree. So in this second, or I guess third and fourth round, but second edition of the director draft, Greg, you got Kelly Riker and... Alfonso Cuaron. Woof! Alfonso Cuaron, I wiped that out I'm of my brain. I'm doing okay. So far I have not that. embarrassed myself. <laughs> I got... Bong Joon Bong Joon Ho and Steve McQueen and Ryan Guy Link later and Soderbergh. and Soderbergh. Who do we think won that round? Who came away? I think I did because of my, my incredible you're uh, you. passion for my own choices. Uh, but I don't know. That seems like a great round to me. 
Yeah, I think I think I agree. Greg gets Woo! the point. I think I, I I did the weirdest thing, which is I stayed true to myself, and it worked out. Usually, I maybe uh, try that next time, Mike. Usually, I betray myself, and it doesn't work out. I hate that I stayed true to myself and got bullied for it. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Middle school and high school and a lot of college <laughs> and, and some of the military. Most of my career and growing <laughs> up. <laughs> well, that is the director's draft. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more talk about Money Python on the Holy Grail. <laughs> Taste buds. We've circled this through the whole show, but now we're going to just dig our little butts right in. How successful can a movie as capital I important cinema be? When it's mostly just a series of skits, does Holy Grail really try to be something more than that? And if so, is it the best possible version? I mean, we, one of the things that we dabbled in is the diversion of the groups, right? Palin mm-hmm. and the Terrys were like, "Here's Movies. big ideas, <laughs> and what if a movie was good?" And then the other three were only focused on comedy. And I do like maybe that's how you make something great. Right. Whether this is great or not, that's how you make something great is to have those two things fighting. But ultimately, man, it feels weird to say, but like we are we are built to uh, uh, like uh, be fueled by forward narrative of which this movie only fakes and sometimes makes right. fun of us. Oh, you by want this, you that. fucking assholes. <laughs> but then on the flip side, I don't know about the release dates as far as our podcast go, but as far as recording goes, we just got out of recording Nashville. And so mm-hmm. that's also kind of a skit show. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it's, it, just it's very hard to say. But, you know, think- it, maybe because it has the continuity of the same characters from sketch to sketch and because mm-hmm. they appear in each other's sketch, Nashville might get away with it a little bit more. I I feel like they do the best job you can totally faking it and kind of pretending to put together one overarching mm-hmm. narrative. They more or less have a quest. It's got sort of subquests in there that they sort of do. Um, and like with so much of the rest of the movie, it's an elegant semi-solution. It doesn't really totally work, but they they didn't have many options, and I think ultimately it's what was available I, to them. As other movies, sketch sketch shows as movies, I do think it works better than your Kentucky Fried movie. Oh, this movie is the best of all time. Forty three, yeah, uh, all movie the dates, scary. Uh, not another teen. Like all of those. Like those are all just sketch movies. And yeah, this and so soulless. Me. Like this, had, there's a lot of soul here. Like the, it's people doing their absolute best and absolutely pushing it, like to get the most they possibly can out of everything. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why it works better than all those other movies. And this is one of the compromises that is creative and was them coming up with something to really work around what is a central problem to the movie, which is that it is just a bunch of skits. And the initial movie, the initial script, sketches. Excuse me. Come on, Greg. It's sketchy. We're not, a, we're not a fucking day camp. All right, these people went to Cambridge. <laughs> uh, the original movie was even sketchier, sketchier. and uh, was half in modern times, half in the old times. Right. And there was like uh, Galahad or some knight was like working in a, a gift shop and was going to sell them the Holy Grail, and then they went all to this in order to, I think, have you know, like. Having the two Terrys as part of the team was, I think, a boon mostly mm-hmm. because they were like. Actually, we don't want to do just a 90-minute episode of Flying Circus, which I yeah, do think why? that, like, I do think Kentucky Fried Chicken and Kentucky Fried Movie and Brain Candy, the Kids in the Hall movie, do suffer from a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, there is some knocks, like, you know, like, they they are clearly saying, 
I would like to make real movies in the day or in the future. This is not one. Right. And so let's which, just which get this done. It's so sad because Terry, the American Terry, does. He goes on to do Time Bandits and Brazil. He does identify as British, by the way. Really? I like yeah. that. He has a British vibe and face. So Not like, accent, but definitely vibe. Uh And then Jones. That's the American dream, isn't it? To just be yeah. like, nope, I'm actually, I've graduated. I'm and English now. And they accept it versus Madonna tried it and the world went, nope. Well, okay, if you do it the way where you just start using the accent, uh-huh. that's not... And not good, by the way. Yeah, that's yeah. not a good way to ingratiate like, yourself to a people. Just start Paltrow talking what it. you think they sound <laughs> she like. She was Kevin Costner bad when she tried all right, it. All right, all right, I am uh-huh. from London. <laughs> Madonna, I am. Nice <laughs> to meet you, Gov. Like a virgin. Uh... <laughs> Like, uh, like for Terry instance, Jones. no English people liked anything that we just did. Like, they <laughs> no, wish no. we didn't do that, right? You, so and Americans, Americans love that. And Americans are like, yeah! We're the Kid Rock of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Gillian would go on to do that and, and you make the, the trilogy of imagination and, and his the guy. The Gillagy? The Gillagy? The And then Jones would go on to direct. I do think... Uh, Gilliam was such a fucking curmudgeon. He does not go into co-direct the other Monty Python movies. He was so like he cared about camera angles, and they're like, I don't like Palin, uh, who was like the nicest of them, freaked out because Gilliam kept making him crawl through the mud. That he had such a rant and scream cuss fest that everybody stood up and clapped because they <laughs> Gilliam broke the nicest member of the crew. Uh, <laughs> and Terry is, Jones think- just directs Monty Python movies and Monty Python live things after this. I think Palin is the ideal of all of it. All the stuff that we're talking yes. about, he's everything coming together. Uh, not just like comedy and art, which for some reason with Monty Python is sort of separate and arguable, uh, but also just not being a piece of shit. And I think <laughs> almost won, if not did win, uh, a Moody for Best Sporting Actor. Yes. I, he's I, close, right, for Brazil? I think it makes yeah. sense that Palin is the one who shows up in Brazil for Gilliam. Like, he goes short, like, oh, you can do it. A little short, but a handsome guy. I like that guy. I do. We, we've we've talked shit on the uh, Castle Anthrax. The the bit is just they have wackety names, uh, and that maybe it sh- maybe it shouldn't even be part of the movie because it's not really doing that much. And also, and she says gotta, that right. Like yeah. we're so worried. Well, like I mean, that's really what. Like as the viewer, you're like, okay, this seems exploitative. Uh, I'm not super comfortable with the age range that they gave these women. Uh, I see that he's holding a shield in front of him, like uh, books, like he's got a boner, and not like this compares to anything Greg just said, but like the joke rate is a little low. The joke rate's pretty low, right. yeah. And then around the time that you're thinking, like, should this be in the movie? She's like, I don't know, <laughs> should it be? And it is. So each one of them wrote their own sketches, and so he was Galahad well, because he wrote this. Really? Yeah. And he wrote this skit for that himself? Made, that made me like, oh. But he also wrote the credits. He was like, these credits are boring, and wrote the Sweden thing, which I fucking love. Before it goes crazy and possibly problematic, the Siamus, the Lovely Lakes, uh, <laughs> I really like. And that and, this guy went alone and was like, in this group setting, he was like, ah, I'm going to fix these boring credits. So all these girls will be wearing basically see-through <laughs> clothing, and they're going to try to keep getting at me, but I'm going to be like, no, my virtue. But ah. What's interesting, and like we're, we're not at the awards yet, but I do think there are two guys who try to act here, and Palin really only does here. He, I, I, he inhabits Galahad's emotions here. I don't think he's ever playing it for a joke that he's uncomfortable. And yeah. then uh, Graham. Graham is just King Arthur throughout it and is never like, and this is a joke. I yeah. think there's like, I, maybe there's ways for like, if Mike, if you were to list off every Python, then we could say like why they're different than the rest. But mm-hmm. Chapman is the most interesting to me because of 
he seems like the most like uh, we got a normal know. actor to be with. Yeah, us. like like yeah. he is the most talented, but also more talented in like an old school. Like mm. should be on stage, maybe should be on stage in the 1400s sort of oh, way. No. <laughs> I think he's the most classically handsome, right? Yeah, and the one that is dealing with by far the most shit on during filming. Um, and the fact that he they he's just the automatic lead because he's also Brian from Life of Brian. Yeah, he's oh, the automatic lead. Just the straightest of men. Is that because, and he was not, like, fought a ton for gay rights, but is that because he's got the face that isn't so British or whatever? I think it's because... Is he the best actor? Or my other question is, is he the worst at, I'm going to be six characters in this movie? No, I think it's that he is, like, somebody has to be the straight man. Mm -hmm. And somebody has to do it in such a way where you come away wondering if they always got the joke. And I think one of the problems these guys suffer with is like they want to make sh- they want you to make sure that that you know that they get the joke right. too, and that like you know that, that that nothing is escaping them, like nothing could be potentially funny that they're not in charge of. And he just does a really good job, I think, of just being like, what would this guy really right. be like? And, and, he, and this guy really believes that, he, that, or you know, he's King Arthur, mm-hmm. and he believes in the the legend as much as anybody else. So, what would that guy act like in this zany environment? Yeah, sometimes he's afraid sometimes he's annoyed like yeah he's pompous like yeah he really inhabits it. i do think it's the uh you just so described the- naked gun leslie nielsen versus dracula dead and loving it leslie nielsen yeah <laughs> so if palin is the go-between between the cambridge and the oxford then graham chapman is the go-between between them and us yeah yeah i think so yeah because he's willing to be like just in service of what's going on and not and know that by doing his individual job as well as possible even if he could score funnier jokes individually, it would be worse for the movie as a whole. Yeah. And Gilliam said that uh, he was definitely on the Cambridge side and he was a fucking piece of shit bully, like just a verbal abuser as great as Cleason Idol. But then mm. also broke that line because his ideas weren't just joke, 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 but also narrative, bigger, narrative, narrative. Yeah. Like what can and- we do to actually make this a- 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 an actual good movie? Did they talk about how he was suffering from DTs throughout the movie? A thing I barely knew was real. They didn't know until he was on the side of a mountain. The time where I think DT should not be a thing. Yeah. And then just could not stop. He said, you know what? We're filming a movie. Uh, I'm going to stop drinking. And then they put him on the side of a mountain and he shook convulsively. And they were like, I guess we give him liquor. And they did. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? movie. You got a drink. Little hair of the dog. Yep. Dang. That's... The the stories we hear about people's drinking on this show, quite harrowing. It, of course, is time for... Speed round. You do not need to say your name. This is not trivia. But I also don't hate if you say your name. That's fine. Are the Pythons able to speak truth to power? Are they able to successfully punch up? Are there times when they do punch down? I mean, they just kind of generally like they they do make jokes about the prospect of power, but it's like kind of not super directed at any current thing going on. Like there's no individual you could point at and be like, yeah, they're really reading that person the riot act. It's more like maybe if you're in charge, you shouldn't be such an ass. Right. <laughs> right. Everybody. Dang. Punk rock. Kickflip. I. There's those like Roger's book of quotes and all those quotes were right. said 400 years ago. And I think one of the only current ones is, how do you tell the king it's the one that's not covered in shit? Like, mm-hmm. I do think that is like an actual quote that is right. important to remember. Uh-huh. Uh, 
I don't notice them punching down that much, but I think that they, like we talked about before, I think they do all of their punching up very quickly in a weird way that I would have liked spread out more across the movie. Right. It might have made the whole thing have sharper, pointier teeth. The and I mean, they're, does. they're dudes from Cambridge and Oxford. Yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's not a ton of up left to punch. Yeah, they're yeah. basically royalty. So. <laughs> and I mean, they were very poor at the time, but, you know, like, they're such fucking smarmy. <laughs> do you agree with uh what the movie seems to suggest that greg referenced earlier that the scene with all the sexy women should have been edited out i say i say yes uh if you write yourself a self-congratulatory like a like a little celebration celebration for yourself scene where there's a bunch of women and they're all fawning over you and the only <laughs> joke is that everyone's got funny names and that maybe your guy it, maybe like the main character is hard and feels weird about it like what <laughs> you know what are we doing like is this a re- is this a good use of our time is this a good lasting enduring image it just it makes everybody feel uncomfortable also mike we've right. always had this rule of like if you're going to copy something do not say it out loud like don't be mm-hmm. like Wait, isn't this like the movie Scream? Right. Um, I would say I would go one step further and say, do not suggest to the audience should this be cut out because we're all going to be like, you know Wait. what? Yeah, for fucking sure it should have been. I, I do I, have to say there is that scene in a lot of like medieval texts where mm-hmm. like the virtuous knight is like in a bathhouse with a bunch of women and right. it has to pretend to be a woman and like can't get excited or whatever or they're just being tempted by women scam- like that doesn't mean you have to put it in your thing but it's or not like without tell precedent. more jokes though yeah the, i think the joke that i think is the funniest is when lancelot saves him and he just at that point he's fully flipped he's like oh, i think i can handle it do you guys want to hear the john cleese story about this scene of course okay um so the whole point of the scene is to have angelic, beautiful women, but they were in Scotland and had no money with an open call. And the reason he wanted to cut it was not because it wasn't funny, oh, no. but because uh, in order for the scene to work, they have to be beautiful. And on the commentary, he's like, look at them. They're just not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I would never comment on the physical appearance of all the people from 1975, you couldn't possibly have a recording of me doing that because that would be rude. What if Mike was like, John, John, John? <laughs> you don't even know how many points this guy's getting. <laughs> Which two Python members are each of us? Oof. I'm going to take Cleese. <laughs> uh, before you guys can give it to me, I'm going to take Cleese. I would give I you Graham. The beard is there. The noble beard. I'm Graham and Cleese? The DTs. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both Graham and Cleese are tall dudes, and I know you can't see it, uh, but you are shockingly tall in real life. Okay, so I'm not giving either one of you both Terry. So I'm gonna give Greg Gilliam Woo. Man, and Mike cool Jones. Terry. I am notably American, but wish I were British. And, and I'm so- there too. Which is, I think, what they say about Terry Jones. <laughs> Terry Jones. Uh, and then we have uh, Eric Idle and Michael, Michael Palin. Palin. Uh, Mike is Eric Idle. Greg is Michael Palin. Uh, Mike cannot hide what a fucking uh, buck-tooth goofball he is, <laughs> and Greg can, so he's Michael Palin. Hooray. Hooray for me. And I'm very musically talented, as is Eric Idle, so that mm-hmm. all makes sense. Who killed more wedding guests, Lancelot or Obama? <laughs> Sorry. I, I actually wrote that joke. And I don't get that joke. <laughs> uh, it's a terrible story. Don't explain it to me. 
Okay. Oh, I just remembered that news story. Ooh. Sorry. It's not, that's not, yeah. That's an awful joke, Mike. You should feel very bad about yourself. Is this about Game of Thrones Red Wedding? You know what it's about? No. It's about the fact that Obama did a bunch of shit that he, we should probably he like. that wedding. And, yeah. And <laughs> like, honestly, Obama was like a great time in some ways in America, but he also drone striked that wedding. And that's, that's really unfortunate. And he drone striked a bunch of other people too. Anyway, that's not funny, Mike. Does the score whip ass in this movie, or does it sound like we should be watching football? Uh, I uh, okay. So, like, I think that sometimes the sound balance is a little off, but I think that we've said that about every 1975 movie that we've watched so far. Mm-hmm. I think they tricked some dumb asshole for like uh, five thousand dollars to write an incredible score. And like, but like, it's it is it's an awesome epic score, and I think yeah. it really helps set the vibe that we were talking about. Right. But it also feels like it's maybe like a minute and forty seconds of an epic score that they really <laughs> they just really get the most out of. It's very catchy. You get what you pay for. But there's so many times where you see like a castle or a dragon ship, or like a ship with a dragon's head on it, and you know that looks like shit, but you hear the music and it makes it work. No, that dragon ship. All right, the dragon's head on it. Looks uh-huh. fucking awesome. I okay. was shocked. I liked That's how all the red. castles were already ruins. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Is this film the greatest love letter to the power of catapulting ever made? Well, catapulting, uh, maybe. <laughs> I, uh, Woo! I had to, uh, in my seventh grade science class, I had to build a catapult and we filmed it. And this movie is actually better. So, yes, uh, my movie is second best, and this movie is the best. Are you guys more Catapult or Trebuchet dudes? I love a Trebuchet. I love yeah, get for you more I, distance. Catapults make sense to me. I don't really understand how Trebuchets work. That's cool. Uh, I've never said the word Trebuchet without a follow-up. Of, is that like the Catapult, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just it throws stuff a lot farther. It, it really does. And you get to do the, like, the cut of the rope, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And every time you go Trebuchet... Legally, you have to. I assume that that's what happened. Does this movie discount the role of infantry as opposed to strictly knights in the formation of the medieval world? Yeah, I think so. There's certainly (laughs) a lot. Like, you can't. Whoever sent out, like, five knights to go do something? No. What do you you want? Like, 50 Monty Python members? We have six, Greg, and that's what we deal with. I just think. Just like God did. I just think that part of the problem is you're discounting the role of the peasantry in like I, the formation of, of the medieval if world. If any movie could in, discount the role of peasantry, shouldn't it be this one? No, it should not be this one because it pretends that it doesn't do that. They that have it, warts on their face. In <laughs> in in a battle, sure, you're going to have the infantry and they do show up at the end before they all get arrested, but it's not <laughs> the knights of the round table and their fucking dumb shud friends who go look for the holy grail in the in the legend. And that's true. They do show up in the end, just in time to get arrested. Which that's so typical. Mm-hmm. As soon as the average Classic person infantry. is there, do, yeah. As soon as it's just the average person, then the cops show up and start fucking arresting everybody. What? Because one historian got got. Come on. As much just- as we talked about the shotgun of like uh, social commentary that this movie has, the fact that the loudest one gets taken away immediately that <laughs> rang a bell for <laughs> our modern day society. Does so? We've talked about how the narrative. Uh, is anticlimactic, so they never find the grail. The French guys just show up again. Is the bigger narrative let down that we don't actually know who killed that historian? I thought it was Arthur himself came cutting through a scene. That's the only time someone's on a horse, right? Yeah, that's the real time they got a horse. (laughs) I I just realized that now that somebody comes riding on a horse. And you know what, Mike? Uh, Guns don't kill people. Horses kill people. The horse is the one who should have been arrested. That's why I punch every horse I see right in the throat. 
Or the, just turn your back on a horse. See what happens. See no. you wake up the next day. Every time I turn my back on a horse, we pose for like a perfect 90s hip-hop uh, <laughs> record cover. We're just like, yeah, what up? Look them in the eye, feed them a sugar cube, and then back away. Right. That is all the time we have for the questions. We're going to take the quickest of breaks when we come back. It's awards season. If you can believe it, Monty Python and the Holy Grail won zero awards at the 1976 Academy Awards. Hmm. I can't believe it. Probably won BAFTAs or some shit. I didn't look up British awards. On the cover, it's like 19 Oscars, four Tinas, three Helens, and one Sergio. 17 Lama Awards, probably. It's kind of a funnier name, Sergio, because that's from like a different country. They really they they honed in Man, on that. With that, <laughs> with that angle, that is uncomfortable. <laughs> having, not, having not thought about it in that way. That is... <laughs> All right. First up is best performance from a Monty Python, which needs no introduction. But if it does, means a non Monty Python player. Greg, for me, it's got to be that French guy on top of the wall. Um, obviously, some French actor. I'm not sure who. I don't know if that's Gerard Depardieu, but. Um, Man, right. authentic French person. Oh no, um, oh that was actually okay. That was John Cleese. That was one. I had no idea. Are you getting notes from the booth? Yeah, I'm getting notes yeah. right now. I'm I'm hearing. He heard Ryan get a point for that, and then he <laughs> <laughs> uh, turns out that's John Cleese. Okay, I'm sorry. I just wow. Uh, transported. Uh, I, I thought that was obviously a French person. So I'm gonna go with uh, the old guy uh, being like carried out to the cart for dead people. Uh, I feel happy. Yeah, that I feel happy. Like. He's the first one that gets to take a pass at that I'm better joke, and he does yeah. it the best. And, like, again, the way he did it was he didn't try to win the scene. He tried to contribute mm-hmm. to the scene in the best possible way and then ended up winning the scene, I would say. I think if if you're having a real shit day, uh, saying I'm I a feel happy day. in that sad voice <laughs> will make you feel a little better. Yeah, like, totally. it, I think that's a good life hack. <laughs> I do good- it a lot. <laughs> But it doesn't. Don't say it on a real good day. Wait for that real shit. Get hit by a car and just be like, "I feel happy." <laughs> It'll fix your day. That's what Farrell sing about. Sing about right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Will Farrell. Will Farrell <laughs> sings about that. Drive. How Ryan, happy he is that he drives a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> Ryan, who is your Nanti Python performance? Uh, mine is Connie Booth, who was married to John Cleese at the time, and uh, does a good job standing there with a. Carrot nose watching Eric Idle bite his swords. But what this is really about is sitting in the wait, just doing it because she's like, I know how men are. And then really looking at the camera so much better than I think that uh, Zoot is it Zoot? It's mm-hmm. all the credit for saying, like, Should we have cut this scene? But it's Connie Booth's performance of like, Are you kidding me? That uh, right. really earns this award. It's it's subtle, it's she understands. That all women are witches in the minds of these fucking pe- yeah she all all of it is conveyed in such few lines yeah I, I have to agree that Connie Booth gets that one. Too bad your opinion doesn't count, Mike. Oh no, wait, your opinion is the only one that counts. Crap. Yep. Just kind of double there. <clears throat> Least funny moment, Ryan. Um, I am gonna. This movie is very funny, and there's a lot of times that you're like, I appreciate your thought. <laughs> Uh, this is probably because of the Sheshwan bros of this movie, but uh, the Knights Who Say Ni is in 
tolerable yeah. for the entire time it's on screen. I don't I, I, I don't know what it's like to watch this movie before the Szechuan right. Bros, but after them, uh, there is. They gave they gave dorks an annoying sound to make and then said it yeah. was funny. And like I, that's yeah. unconscionable. That yeah, why would you do that? And I, I was thinking like, uh, is this uh, this was parodied in the Homer Goes to College, right? From like nineteen ninety seven. So it's been over twenty three years of just hearing this fucking noise because of this movie. I do like, I think it's a good setup towards when Arthur and the uh, Bedivere uh, try to use it and bully a woman. I like that that scene more than the Knights of the scene itself. Greg? I'm going to go with when, it was hard choosing between this and cringe because they kind of amounted to the same thing. But when the opening credits switch to the strobe effect and the weird, like, Mexican-inspired music and... Just that whole change in the opening credits. It took something that had kind of been working and I like, you know, that was different and fun. And it just, I thought, dragged it into such a bland, predictable space. And it's not just that the joke is, yeah, it's not just that the joke is racist. It's that it's not funny. Greg Greg will get that point because I still sort of enjoy the Knights Who Say Knee. Cringe, speaking of Greg. Uh, so the end of just like the cringiest scene in the entire movie, uh, the 16 to 19 year old girls who are trying to get with Galahad, uh, as Galahad's being dragged off screen, he said, he just says, as if it's a joke, you're gay. <laughs> Greg, and then I bet you're gay. Come on. I bet you're gay. And then, uh, John Cleese says, no, I'm not. Um, is that, that's, that's, that's hateful it. and cringy and Again, it's the worst sin, though. It's not funny. That's yeah. not funny. <laughs> not even the littlest funny. Ryan. Uh, I think mine is along the same lines. Um, one of my favorite performances is Terry Jones, who is not in the movie that much, right? Because the two Terrys sort of bowed out of performances. Mm-hmm. As the uh, the pale little Joffrey, the incredible archer, <laughs> <laughs> who shot an arrow out of the window, I always start trying to start a song and uh, his dad coming in and saying, you will not start that. And it's just saying, oh, you're pale and you're weak. Uh, and that means you're gay. And yeah. also, Monty Python, fuck you. You do want him to start a song. You just think it's funnier right now to like make this joke about how he shouldn't start a song. Mm-hmm. But that's what we want to hear from this little guy. He's going to tell us. He's going to tell us. I want to hear that song. Me too. Maybe if I saw Spam a lot, they would play it. Uh... The cringe, the one, the, the one I think that is most obvious is just the right. you're gay. At least yeah. there's other things trying to happen in the Terry Jones Prince actor. This is best, I assume, pound for pound performance. I assume of a Monty Python player, but we'll see. Ryan, I uh, I am going to have to go with. For me, a lot of it was like uh, I really learned throughout this week how written it was like this is the most scripted movie of all time and for some reason we all have this dream of like we like when it's improvised and that that was not the case like it's free to write but it's expensive to shoot so what they did was they wrote the (laughs) fuck out of this movie you know and then you have to do things to the script that are free you know like while you're speaking the dialogue that we already planned on filming you have to do other things right and so what that does it leaves me cold on the uh, the part where Terry Jones is the little prince that archers. There's also a thing about like, did they hear the directions 
You know, like should yeah. they keep him in the room? And man, that is six minutes. And I will tell you that the the Pythons love that bit. Yeah, but you have to sit through all six minutes of that bit. He every just can't time get it right. It. He just can't get yeah. it right. Is he supposed to stay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the most surprising things because John Cleese, as we talked about, has the biggest ego. That is his favorite bit from the whole movie. Yeah, and like, but uh, that's he's so, not even in it. It's very British to me too. Of like. Eventually, you'll understand the absurdity of it all, and then you will laugh at how long it went. But instead, <laughs> I'm going to go with John Cleese, who is uh, has multiple moments in here. But uh, the big one is he is shouting out not great insults that we have heard a billion times, mm-hmm. but is selling the shit out of them. He's putting his hands in such a way, and he his eyes are in such a way that he is uh, making sure that this will always be funny. Instead of begging you, begging the audience to laugh at this bit that's six minutes long, mm-hmm. hopefully you find it funny every time. Is John Cleese specifically his Frenchman performance? But no, I think he does a lot in the movie. I think even as the Black Knight, he does it. But like, I, I, the Frenchman would be the number one. Gregor, for me, it's a uh, it's King Arthur Graham Chapman, uh, and and knowing that he was either coming down off of alcohol or. Or going back up, or both, or both at the same time, uh, is impressive because it would be so easy to be, I think, over the top when you're not feeling well, and I think it's kind of hard to be reserved. And he lets he stands in stark contrast to all the zaniness going around, and then still manages to score some of the funniest lines in the movie. Yeah, the, you make and that me does sad. not make we you sad before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I, I think, I and it just his gravitas. Like, yeah, he really like, has it. Yeah, let's not go to Camelot. It's a silly place. Tis a silly place. <laughs> director's signature moment, knowing that this is the co-director's first movie each. Greg. Uh, this this movie would you would think would require horses <laughs> to make. Um, but that's extremely expensive, and except for one shot, there are no horses. And yet we have knights, and so there's this aspect expectation. Uh, but you can replace a horse with a halved coconut, it turns out. Uh, by clapping them together, it sounds, it's approximate to the sound of a horse's hooves uh, upon the ground. No one, I think, had thought of this beforehand. Since then, it's been used in at least one other movie that I can think of. Uh, it's a American Beauty. American Beauty, yeah. uh, where Ricky Fitz rides that horse through Central Park. But of course, <laughs> it's just him with coconuts. Uh, it's emblematic, of course, of just the way they found... Um, to make this movie on the cheap and then to make it the heart of what's going on and not just like a, an apology. And so it's using, you know, the coconuts represent using your limitations mm-hmm. like as a lens to make a joke about. I like that. Ryan. Uh, <laughs> I think this is the first time that we've done two directors at the same time. I think this is one, uh, the first time where one director has gone on to some acclaim and the other one has gotten a movie into the bracket like that's so confusing to me uh and also we're all agreed regardless of what we think of this movie that like the direction is just terrible uh so i i'm gonna have to go back to the uh john cleese running towards the castle um because i do think that that shows the power of editing but also the power of expectations mm-hmm. and i think that you can see this in terry gilliam's work he never like uses this trick again, but the whole thing of like you're you're pretty sure you know how movies work, right? Right. And then just pulling the rug, and then saying, "Oh wait, I didn't pull the rug." 
Did you feel that? I didn't. Oh, but I did, but I didn't, but I did, but I did. But I, uh, that, that is sort of like how he has made his name and just fucking with audience and genre. And it's not necessarily in the, uh, you know, middle finger out, tongue out Monty Python way, but it is still in the, like, I understand how movie or camera tropes work. Right. And I'm going to use this to the best power I have for the rest of my career. I learned that they had to reshoot that months later because John Cleese's original run was too goofy. And Gilliam was like, no, the whole bit, you have to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> that's what makes it funny. Uh, I would have done the illustrations, uh, Gilliam's, because leaning just, I don't know much about Terry Jones and Gilliam's just his penchant for normal plus like drawings. pushing everything into surrealism like brazil doesn't have drawings but the whole fucking city looks like a drawing oh yeah it's real as hell <laughs> that weird like angel part that yeah. parts of the angels flying around yeah but i will give that Ryan. one to Ryan. crikey crikey the last chance for nah i don't want to award this maybe i will we'll see who knows recommendations <laughs> greg what do you recommend I'm recommending a movie I haven't seen because most people haven't seen it yet. It's called The Green Knight. Um, I, that like, movie looks like fucking awesome. So much of this movie left me just feeling a little cold upon this viewing. Although I have to say, over the course of, of this show, I've been so excited about it and you've been so excited about it, the two of you, that I like I've, I feel a little bit... David not- Lowry, dude. Like, he made a ghost story and Pete's Dragon. Like, that guy's the shit. <laughs> and but the vibe of this movie is what got me excited and just the the idea of you know ancient basically at this point britain um and just like all the nooks and crannies and weird figures there this is like such an old story and if you read it it whips ass it's like so <laughs> cinematic uh a lot of these really old stories at first it's they're hard to read but once you kind of get into the flow you're like this is a blockbuster movie like this is a this is already he storyboarded for you here. Mm. I'm so excited about Green Knight. I do think it's going to be scary, and I do think that I'm going to have to de- to deal with that because it looks creepy as shit. But I don't think I can avoid it. I don't think I can ignore it. Great. I think that is an excellent recommendation. None of us have seen it, but I'm sure we will. Holding hands together for Greg's sake, please, Ryan. Recommendation. I, I'm going to recommend something. I think this is a very famous movie, but. Uh, it's before like 1990, so I'm just going to assume that not a lot of people have seen it. I cannot believe how much this particular Monty Python-like group came up tonight, but I'm going to recommend this anyway. It's called A Hard Day's Night, and Holy Grail is this these six fucking friends, right? Even though you know they hated each other, just hanging out and doing stuff. Funded by rock and roll. And Hard Day's Night <laughs> is this crazy thing that you would never think. I have to be honest, like I really stayed away from the Beatles for a really long time. And mm-hmm. I saw this movie and they were the most not just like uh congenial and fun to watch, but like uh, like like strategically funny and skit-worthy really? people of all time. It's directed by Richard Lester. Uh, and this guy just knows how to make them act, and they all fall into their like personas, but it works so perfectly. There's all the Beatlemania of like the screaming, but really what it is is what if a documentary of like what they are in real life, but also a scripted comedy could come together and you cannot tell the difference. They are, I would say, roughly as funny as Monty Python in this movie. And it's the same amount of like... Uh, I mean, you have to admit it's a group of British dudes that everybody loves. So that that I mean, that's why I think it. Inarguable. 
I think that is a really good recommendation outside the box a bit. And I've not seen it. I actually didn't know it was funny. No, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, mine is also uh, kind of a series of sketches, but I think tight fits narratively better. Uh, they don't have a group. The guest players, Christopher Guest and his pals. Uh, I'm going to pick best in show for just how to skewer people who think they have power in their own weird little world. Pop Filter Hall of Famer Christopher Guest? Pop Filter Hall of Famer Christopher Guest. Possibly his Christopher Best in Best in Show. I just watched this movie. Uh, my wife was Getting like... a point for that. Fuck you guys. <laughs> my wife was like, uh, I don't want to... Let's watch an old movie that we've seen before. And man, it is. I'm actually a... Uh, what's the folk song one? A Mighty Wind. A Mighty Wind. I'm a Mighty Wind fan, but Best in Show is great. Yeah, Mighty Ones, I mean, Waiting for God, uh, they're all enjoyable to various degrees. I haven't seen the new mascot-looking one, but the first few, really good. Really very good. Really very good. Gentlemen, why I am tallying, how do we think, I actually already assume what you're going to say, but how do we think uh, Holy Grail is going to do in the bracket? I feel like uh, I'm glad we did a show about it. I I, I am too. And I have come away from it feeling less grumpy towards the movie than I was at the top of the show. But I do not. That's all we want. I don't think it has. Depending, I guess there's a couple first round matchups it could potentially draw, but I don't see it doing anything besides like nice. Thanks for being a show. I'm gonna go out on a limb, having no idea what the bracket looks like, and say there's not a single first round matchup it could draw. That. I think I'm most positive on this movie and cannot see it tackling anybody else. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think that the two movies that are really in my brain right now uh, are not the Elite Eight, but it's Nashville and Rocky, which were pushed out of the bracket. Mm-hmm. And I, having watched it, I still think that it deserves its place in the Elite Eight. Like, this is a uh, all-timer. This is like a very iconic movie that has to be talked about in 1975. It would have felt like we ducked it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so I think we did duck Rocky, and we ducked Rocky. And honestly, like, there's besides that, there's just a bunch that we just missed. But this one, I don't know. It, it felt it felt like it would have been worse to duck. Do you think young comedy nerds are still into this, or is this finally dying out? The love for this movie. I mean, how would we know? But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't talk to kids. I think like all cinema is dying out. Yeah, they're just into the YouTube's now, yeah, dude. If it's not on YouTube, uh, uh, then but TikTok, man, let's just make a bunch of holy girl TikTok. Ask a young dork like who their like top ten favorite people are, and it's ten people who have way more fans than like any of the people we know, but and we've never, never fucking heard of. heard of them. Oh, Tyler Derp and. Like <laughs> Matilda Brown, and you're like, who are these people? And like, oh yeah, it's you're the biggest. Names. It's the biggest star. Yeah, because they have four billion if, followers. If you were able to all get them all into a room, I think that this movie would do better than a lot of quote unquote classics. Mm-hmm. You know, because it like it really is silly. It knows who its audience is, and it appeals to like almost all things. I like, mean, in a non-insulting way, I, I swear I mean this. It has broad comedy appeal. Yeah. Like people who love jokes ha- will have jokes that they can laugh at, and people who are like want to to laugh at more comedies but find that they can't there's a lot in here because it's just silly noises and mugging for the camera those people make me sad who's I mean, like i wish i could laugh that's <laughs> so upsetting to think about that camelot song comes pretty early in the movie and after mm-hmm. that you're you're gonna be done like you're gonna be into this movie did you guys ever All see right. spamalot i did no. see spamalot and it's amazing it's so good yeah I in vegas uh who was your king arthur do you remember no Mine was uh, Elaine Bennis's catalog boss. Oh, really? Jay Peterman? Peterman? 
dude, that guy's awesome. Yeah. Was he so good? He was so good. Oh my gosh. And then he's the voice of God too, right? Uh-huh. Oh man. He yes. basically is the voice of God. <laughs> right. It's the time everybody wants to know who will be my best friend for the next week. And it is, I wish I knew any sports term for saying very close. A Maybe nail biter. It is very a close. Biter. A photo finish. Greg. With that, points just changed. <laughs> Greg, you have 26 points for Monte Python and the Holy Grail. Okay. Ryan, you have 23, making Greg my best friend for the week. Three-point victory. Point. That's insane. Boom. Boom. I'm styling and profiling everybody. Ric Flair over here. Woo! He's all of those things. Thank you kindly. Just so the audience knows, uh, Greg just pumped the little basketball on his shoe tongue, pumped it up 10 times, and then flew away. Yeah. Oh, and now he's back. Hopefully I see him later. He brought his mic with him. (laughs) We'll watch Monty Python every day together, just like I did with best friends back in the day. Next week, we're watching a movie that I can't think of that is more similar to Holy Grail. It is Mirror by one Ryan Say's name. Uh, Andre Tarkovsky. Andre Tarkovsky. That's what we're watching next week. Until then, keep watching those movies. <laughs> <laughs>